0: In this church, we celebrate Holy Communion as body of believers. We don't do it because it's a religious ritual. I know in some churches, once you fulfill certain requirements, you are part of the church, you are baptized, you are married, or you are, you know, and then you are confirmed by the bishop, Irrespective of whether you are seen or not, you are allowed to participate and share in the Holy Communion. With all due respect to uh, other religions of which, and I respect them because they introduced me to, to the Word of God. Let me say to the Word of God, not to Christ. Because my church did not introduce me to Christ. They introduced me at least to become a religious person and to behave well. But I give credit to them because it is out of that that when I went to high school, I became a good boy and uh, I went to the CU and in the process of going to the CU and interacting uh, with the CU and uh, my patron, who was also my teacher, one evening he introduced me to Christ and I gave my life to Jesus. Amen. So I give credit uh, to my denomination uh, for helping me to understand uh, the religion and the desire to, 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 to know a little bit more. But I also fault them for not teaching uh, me properly about the Holy Communion. Because I actually participated in the Holy Communion before I was born again. Because uh, I was confirmed by the bishop. He laid his hands on me and that I was allowed now to take the Holy Communion. But why am I bringing this to us? I'm bringing this to us because the importance of this uh, sacrament as it is referred to uh, in, in, by, in the orgy. The importance of this sacrament um, ceremony has not been understood and to an extent even us who are, who are deemed to know a little bit more we still do not understand and because we don't understand we do not get the full benefit of this ceremony when we participate in it one was And therefore today I felt I need to emphasize I know I do this, but allow me to repeat. Because the more you repeat something, the more people get it, isn't it? And I would like you to get this. Because I would like that every time you participate, you benefit. Amen? Because that's what it is meant for. And that's why Jesus said, do this In remembrance of me As often as you can In remembrance of me But that remembrance of him You will realize It is really Because of the benefits That are in him That comes back to us That he tells you Do this in remembrance Of me It is not that Jesus Is looking for sympathy because he died on that cross, Paul. Really. We know that he gave his life, isn't it? He actually said no one can take his life. He is the one who gave it himself. Willingly. It's not that his life was taken away by the enemy. No, no, no. There, no one had authority or power to take away his life. He gave his life willingly. Why? So that you and I can benefit. Because there was a loss that took place that you and I knows that when Adam sinned, disobeyed God, he lost his position. He lost the ability to enter or to walk with God and experience God. Hallelujah. You know it's very interesting because it is us who desire to enter into his presence, isn't it? Adam, God was coming down with his presence and Adam would walk with God and enjoy the walk with God. I want you to think for a minute what that meant. Mark, can you imagine God, the creator of heaven and earth The author of life. Leaving his position. To say it is now time. To visit. My friend Adam. All. Think about that. That the hour comes. In the cool of the evening. And God says now. Everything has to stop. In heaven. I step out of my throne. I step out of my presence. I step out of the glory and go down with everything that is in me to visit my friend, Adam. Praise the Lord. You know, let me be honest. I would wish to have been Adam. Especially for that part. For the other part where he was banished, it was too painful. But for this part where God visits, where God comes down to minister, to to, to walk with him, I want to imagine my sister Gadoni. What was God telling Adam? Because it was not just a visit. There was a conversation that was taking place between the two. There was a review of the assignment that Adam was given. And Adam would update God of what he's been doing during the day. Hey Adam, how was your day today? What have you done today? How are the cows? What about the elephants? What about the squeals? You know? What about the gold and the diamond at platinum? What about River Gihon? Did you spend some time there? Today? That kind of conversation. Very fulfilling. We all desire to enter into his presence. Hallelujah. That is what was lost. Those are the benefits that Adam lost. You know, you don't need anything else. You just need the presence of God. You know, if you have a chance to appear before God, think for a minute. If you have a chance to appear before him or he he visits you, what would be the one thing that you would ask him? Think for a minute. What would be that one thing that would make you so satisfied that it is the only thing that you would need? Think for a minute, oh, a husband, a wife, some money, another car, or a car, a house. Ah, you would miss it. Because nothing in this world, nothing that your eyes have seen, or desire to ever have can compare with that visit, with his presence. I would like Peter, Lord, let us just stay here. Let's build some hearts. Yeah? For you. Yeah? And Elijah and Moses. The rest of us are comfortable staying outside. As long as you are there and, you know, we are happy. Praise God. Those are the benefits that we lost. But, we have an opportunity. Because Christ came. Amen? And he came as the second Adam to bring back that which was lost. So that you and me, when we understand our position in him, praise the Lord. we can start experiencing some of those benefits that Adam used to, to, to experience. But you say, oh, that's being too spiritual. Those are far-fetched. Those are things that cannot take place. Okay? You will get what you desire. You cannot get beyond what you desire. The level at which you want to operate, you will. If you are comfortable just being... A happy religious young person or old man that comes to church and goes for fellowship and comes to and sings, and then you just go home that's okay still. you're still good because that's what you desire, and that's the level of benefits and blessings that you will always carry. but there is someone else who will say, "Lord, it is more than this. your presence. Is better than anything else. That the person will say, I want more. You'll never be satisfied. Now you see what you lost? But in Christ, we can receive all this. But it depends how we operate how we receive the message that comes to us Paul speaks to the Corinthians and he doesn't have very kind words allow me to repeat this because I have done it before in the following directives first Corinthians eleven seventeen. In the following dialectives I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. And then he goes now to tell them how the instruction he received. For I received from the Lord. Hear what he says. He received from the Lord. Why does Paul say he received from the Lord? Because Paul was not there physically with the disciples. He got converted after Jesus has already ascended to heaven. You remember that. He encountered him when he was going to Damascus to persecute the church or the believers. So, anything that Paul is talking about here, the Lord appeared to him and gave him instructions. It is not Peter who taught him. It is the Lord himself who taught him. And that's why he's saying, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The same instructions I received, I have already passed to you. In other words, he is reminding them, and that's why he's rebuking them. Because... They are not doing what they are doing out of ignorance. They are doing it out of rebellion because he had already instructed them. He had already taught them about the Lord's Supper. But look at them. In their meeting, their divisions, there is nothing to praise them about. Because when they come together for the Lord's Supper, they come in their classes. It is actually said, the rich who happen to come to church first. Even those days look like they were using, they had some chariots. eh? Maybe they had some means of getting to church faster than the poor. So they would use the chariots or the horses to get to church. Actually, horses. But the poor who didn't have anything, they would walk to church. It happens even today. Those of us that drive, privileged, we we can manage to come early. Because even when it is raining, we can just jump into the car with an umbrella and come to church. Someone who is walking, when it is raining, they have to start struggling. And before even they get here using matatus, there's some delay. So they would come late. Now, these rich guys would come early. Now, when they come early, what, how they used to do the Lord's Supper? They had turned it into a feasting. In, the, in fact, Paul is calling them their suppers. And that Paul did not teach them. So they decided, instead of just gathering together to take the Lord's Supper, as it is prescribed, why don't we make it a feast? And therefore they would come with their foods. The rich, with their chickens and pox and uh, what have you, and maybe some would even come with cows and calves, whole part of beef, you know. Because it was a time to prove who has what. And they would come and lay it. And they start eating before the poor people come. So by the time you people who walk, you come, these fellows who drove have already finished. They are actually, thank you. They did not only take the wine. They even took it to an extent that they would get drunk. You can imagine a service where people are totally drunk. Not with the Holy Spirit. But in this case with wine, probably beer, or whatever, whatever they take. That is how they were doing it. Can you see how disrespectful they were to this whole ceremony? And that's why Paul says, I have nothing to praise you for. I know that's not what we do today. That's not what we do. Of course, we don't come with our food. We don't come with... The... So for that we give you credit. Hmm? For that we give you credit. But are there divisions among you? Do you have a grudge against your brother or your sister? Did you quarrel in the morning with your husband or with your wife or with your children and you have come to church and that is not an issue to you and you can come and then participate without dealing with the issue in your heart that's the things that Paul now would accuse the church today. Being careless as we come in, into this precious ceremony with an attitude of unconfessed sin. And then assume because it is normal I can just do it and it is over and we continue with the service. Now, I'll tell you, the person who serves us is not the Lord. It is you. Because by being careless, having that attitude of unconfessed sins, careless way of doing things, then you do not reap the benefits that are meant for you. And that now pains the Lord. What pains Him? It is not that you have sinned against Him. It is what you have done to yourself. And the fact that He paid the price that you can stand before God as a righteous person and be able to petition heaven on your behalf. So that heaven will respond because of Jesus who became a sacrifice. Now, because you do not do that, the heavens or the Lord himself is at pain. Because many do it, but they don't receive the benefit, Apostle Joshua. My desire is that we do it and receive the benefits of this amen when we understand that we realize that it is for our own benefit that we are being rebuked by paul and the scripture So that we can deal with the issues that we have before we participate. Praise the Lord. Are you getting me? I'm not sharing this to make you feel bad or to condemn you. I'm trying to help you to understand the blessings and the benefits that are yours that you need to take by coming before him and participating in this ceremony with understanding. Because when you do it with understanding, you deal with all issues. And then, you can rejoice and comfortably say, Lord Jesus, I'm grateful and I thank you. Why? Because with this And we will see that very quickly in 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 Isaiah 53. Just before we go there, but allow me to say this. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Please note, he said, This is my body which is This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body is his. But it is for me and you. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. Why? You need to remember the body. His body. And that's why we take bread that represents his body. It's an element. There's a reason why we have two elements. The bread and the wine. The bread represents his body and says, this is my body which for you, praise God. That's why you need to understand why is the body for you? What's the purpose of the body? What's the purpose of this body? This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Please note, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That doesn't mean That you and I can be able to work on ourselves so that we can start before God and now feel we are worthy. It is not possible for human beings to be able to purify themselves, to work on themselves, so that before God they are worthy. No. None. It's only God himself who can make us worthy. And that's what he did. Through Jesus Christ, whom He gave to die on the cross on our behalf. So, for you, when it talks about being unworthy, it doesn't it's not saying that you have tomb you, you you are, you know, unrighteous. You are wicked. You are whatever. No, 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 no. That's not exactly what it is saying. He has paid the price, and because he has paid the price, the Bible says in the same book of Corinthians. I think it should be second five, twenty-two or there whatever. He became, he was made, he sin, he who did not have sin, so that you and I who had sin become the righteousness of God. Which means then we were unworthy with sin, but he who was worthy without any sin took our, took our position, our sins. He became sin. And that's why he says, do this in remembrance of me. But it is for you. Because he became sin so that I, who was sin, now becomes the righteousness of God. So sin has been repressed. I was a sinner. Before God I was sin. But when Christ died on the cross, he took my position, presented himself before God as a sacrifice. And through his blood, I was cleansed. I have become the righteousness of God. Therefore, I am worthy to stand before the presence of God. But only through Christ. Only through Christ. So where does my sin go? They go to Him. But how do they get to Him? Through confession. So when Paul is accusing them of coming before the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, he is accusing coming before God in an attitude of unconfessed sin. not looking at them and saying, uh-uh, you're not good enough. No, no, no. He's looking at people who have come before God. People who know they are right. People who knows what they ought to do. But they have not done it. So as if Are we together? So because of that, then he, he says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in unworthy manner, in unconfessed attitude, will be guilty of sinning against the body. Remember, the body that was crucified, the body that was the body that was broken, not for him or for God, but for me. So, if just come before him with unconfessed sins, then I am treating the Lord's table, bread, and cup in an unworthy manner. And the Bible says you will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. You have disrespected the body and the blood The same elements that brings you salvation and benefits of giving you an opportunity to stand before God in His throne. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. What does it mean to examine themselves? When you take an examination of yourself, It is coming before God and saying, look, first of all, I know who you are. You died on my behalf. You paid the price so that I can become the righteousness of God. So I do not stand condemned. But we are still on this earth, isn't it? There is a possibility that you will sin. Praise God. I know the Bible says those that are in Christ cannot do not sin. Hmm? Yeah, The good thing is that we do sin, but we are forgiven. Amen? That's why you are not counted as a sinner because Christ has already forgiven you. But if you sin, the Bible still says you have an advocate. The advocate starts on your behalf. Yes, he has sinned, but he has confessed those sins. So he is free. And he preached with the judge to set you free. Now, as long as we are on this earth, we fail, we sin, we disobey, we were being reminded last Sunday, praise God, by Tim. Praise the Lord. Remember this side somewhere. Hmm? <laughs> Some people this side, another this side. <laughs> so those They thought they were okay, and when he went again, he said, someone there. (laughs) (laughs) The message here is, as long as we are on earth, we may sin. Okay, remember I said we may sin. We are not supposed to sin, but we may. Should we sin, we have an advocate. Don't keep sin. In your heart and confessed. Okay? And again, also, don't become a habitual sinner who sins deliberately because there is grace. You're getting the point? Because even you, you know that by doing that, you are actually sinning. By sinning deliberately is even worse than the sin that you have committed. Because there is an act in you. it, It is deliberate. It is planned. Those are the things that you don't do. But should you sin as you come before him, confess your sins. Now, do you just confess your sins because you are coming to take the Holy Communion? No! Whenever you sin and you know you have sinned, confess your sins and make good with the Lord. Because you owe it to Him, not to us. Not to the church. We have nothing to do with, with you in terms of giving you eternal life. You are our brother and our sister and we love you. But it is the Lord who will give you life, eternal life depending on how you lived on earth. So you owe it to Him, not to us. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Please note, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Remember, we were told, when you do that, you are sinning against the body and the blood. Now, when you do that again, you are also being told, you are doing what? For those who eat and drink, um, without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink ju- they eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now, this is serious, because it's something that you do for yourselves. Now, how would it happen? It would happen if you do it again with the same attitude I said. You come with that attitude of unconfessed sin and think it is okay. So what you are doing to yourself, you are creating judgment against yourself. That is why many among you, please note, are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. I want you to go quickly with me in the book, in uh, Isaiah 53, When you do not discern the body, when you do not, that word discern is a way of understanding. Do you understand the meaning of the body? Do you understand the meaning of blood? Because of the, you know, the blood, we talk more of the blood, more, more than the body. So we understand the blood is for our redemption. But do we understand why? Is there the, why is there bread? Why is the body represented? And the emphasis also is there about discerning the body. Because you need to understand. Because if you do something without understanding, then you do not get the benefit of it. Isn't it? Remember I said there are benefits. All this I'm saying to remind you that when you do it right, you benefit you receive the benefit and the blessings and the benefits, you'll find them in the book of Isaiah 53. Let's read from verse 3. If you like, you can read. Okay, let's read from verse 1. Who has believed our message or our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tether shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people Hide their faces. He was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Why? Because of how he looked. The sins that he carried. The punishment that was on him. Surely, verse 4, he took up our pain. Please note the benefit now. Surely he did what? Took up our pain. The one who was being rejected is actually you. With your sins. There was nothing good in you. But he became you. So that he was despised. There was really nothing. The world didn't want to be associated with him. Even you, you would not have wanted to be associated with him. As he walked through to Golgotha. Many despised him. But all that was happening because of them. So, verse 4 says, these are the benefits that you need to now start uh, claiming. Surely, he took up our pain. Do you have pain? Physical? Emotional? Spiritual? Whatever pain that you are going through, it was taken up. He took it up. And bore our suffering. Do you have any suffering? Physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, financial. Whatever it is that gives you suffer, make you suffer. And brings sorrow and pain in your life. What is it? Someone took it up, paid for it. Praise God. Yet we considered him punished by God. Because of the way he looked, we thought God is punishing him because no one should go through what he went through. No one should go to the cross the way he went to the cross. No one should be beaten 40 rushes minus one until his back, the only thing that remained were bones. Because every flesh was plucked of him. Honestly, No one suffer like that. Unless God is punishing him. That's what we thought. That God, his God has abandoned him and he is now punishing him. How many times have people looked at you when you are going through pain and struggle and they think God is punishing you. You know the first one. Even him, that's what we thought about. But he was pissed. Where am I? Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Please go to verse 5. But he was pissed for our transgressions. Mm -hmm. That spear that pissed him, it is said, it is because of our transgressions. What is transgressions? It is going against the written law transgressing against the law. We were transgressors. We had sinned. We deserved judgment. But he was peace for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. What is iniquity? Wickedness. Deliberate way of doing things. Sometimes we are so wicked. We harbor sin. We harbor iniquity. We plan Evil, even against others. But it said, all this was done for us so that you can be free. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. Hallelujah. That punishment which brought us peace, all this he suffered. Tim, so that we can have peace. The reason why we are so peaceful, we can go to bed even after the world has insulted God and we have registered gays and lesbianism uh, and uh, we've said all sorts of things. We are even worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah? Prime ministers, um, you know, marrying uh, uh, same-sex, you know, and uh, inviting their colleagues to celebrate. A head of state. Can you see how wicked we have become? Yet we, still, we are still enjoying the peace. Why? Because he paid the price. There is still grace and mercy. That even that prime minister who did that, if he turns to him and repents his sins and turns to the Lord and says, this is a wicked thing that I did and I need forgiveness, that he will still be forgiven. Praise God. What a season we are living in. Season of love and grace. Can we take advantage? Amen? Not to sin, but to go to him and honor Him. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His words, we are done what? We are healed. Those words, you know, that He suffered when they beat Him with strokes, with whips that held and every time He was beaten, a part of his flesh was coming out. By the time they did it, that ninth one, there was nothing left on his back. But they said, those woods, praise the Lord, i for our healing. Now, when you take the Holy Communion in with understanding, the Holy Communion He's asked and he said, do this in remembrance of me. When you remember what he did, you go back to Isaiah 53. That he took away our pain. He took away our suffering. He took away our diseases and sicknesses. By his stripes we are healed. Reference, when we do this with that kind of attitude, with honor, there is no cancer that you remain in your body. There is no blood pressure that you remain in your body. There is no diabetes that you remain in your body. No disease, no sickness. Whatever it is will remain in that body. You receive your healing. Because it is promised. It is in the scripture. I am not talking about it. It is yours. It is there. I am emphasizing this. I know time is gone. We have like ten minutes, but will you try that? But I'm emphasizing this, Paul. When I take this, I want us when we come together to participate of the holy communion. We start hearing testimonies, men, reports of healing, deliverance, peace and joy, people being set free, because we do it in remembrance of Him. May the Lord bless you. Our Father, we thank you this day that you gave your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us and that all the sin of the world was placed upon him so we can be called righteous. And Father, this day as we take the bread, Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see That it was finished at the cross. That there is no sin that can stand in the way of us coming to your presence. Father, we pray that even for our bodies, that we'll receive the healing that comes with acknowledging that Jesus Christ died for us. Thank you, King of Kings. uh, and, and, And we ask that you'd continue opening our eyes that even in our daily lives, Lord, we'll be able to see the benefits of the body of Christ being broken for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father Lord for the blood, we thank you. For it speaks redemption. It reminds us, oh God, for the reason why you came. That while you were yet sinners, Lord, you came and died for us. We thank you for your word this morning that reminds us that we should live knowing that you have overcome for us, O oh Lord. That you are bruised, O oh God, for us. That, Lord, you suffered punishment for us to have peace. So, Lord, as we take the the blood today, we ask, Lord God, that we will see redemption, we'll see restoration, we'll see people living to the destiny and purpose that you've called them to be, and that, Lord, will live righteous lives not only on the Sunday, but we know that we've been empowered to live on the Monday and uh, and all the week long, O God, as you fulfill your purposes, O Lord. In your mighty name we pray, trust, and believe. Amen. Hallelujah. You will be served the cup and the bread. Please let's wait for one another.